you hear that? It's a little bit of a soothing change for an open for one of these shows. <laughs> Normally I give you the rock, but just I found this and felt like, hey, why not switch it up? Hope you can hear this, but after you let it simmer. This is a, another episode of Mike Drop, but a Mountaineer live chat edition of the show. Of course, I'm Mike Osti, so I am welcoming all of you members of Mountaineer Nation. Obviously, we're going to stick to WVU sports here, whether it be football, basketball, or really anything you want to discuss. If you want to discuss the rifle team, I'll, I'll try to talk about it here on this program. And of course, head over to WV Sports now, all of our social media platforms and our website for all of our coverage of all of Mountaineer Athletics. Wanted to offer another one of these. It really went well last time I did it. I'm in a good mood right now. My my new baby, three months old this week, and she is now sleeping a lot more through the night. So that's a positive. As she is skipping some feedings, able to sleep for several hours in a row, screams less despite having colic and reflux. So I'm smooth sailing in my personal life. These teams are not always all smooth sailing, but want to get your thoughts, want to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. And until some of you jump in, because sometimes it does take you guys a while, you also can tweet me at MikeOsti11. You see that bottom of, where are we here? Yep, bottom of the video there in the lower third. So I also can try to head over to Twitter and try to respond to you guys there, or certainly after the program. But I do want to touch on kind of what I have on the site right now until some of you guys join me. And it's also going to focus on Mountaineer basketball. So obviously this is football season, but I do want to actually jump off with a little bit of thoughts on Mountaineer basketball and namely Bob Huggins excitement. So Bob Huggins is pumped up. And he doesn't always do this, but I admit he's done this before and it hasn't worked out. There actually has been some seasons that followed excitement from the Hall of Famer and they didn't end up that way. But Bob Huggins didn't do this last year, didn't do this the year before. It has been a minute and he is really excited. And I think one thing that's also interesting that Bob Huggins said in his recent press conference about this season and his excitement for this season. And that's what most people have read out of it, that he's really excited. And it's a new look team a little bit. And obviously they need to do a lot more and need to be a lot better in comparison to last year. Cause I don't think anyone wants to go through a season like last year. Again, it basically was done in January once it really got started, but also that he kind of admitted, and we've actually heard this a little bit from other coaches around the country. Jeff Capel at Pitt, for example, has said this recently too, that didn't handle the portal that well a few years ago, didn't know he was going to like the portal, thought he would hate the transfer portal, and yet now is realizing the benefits of the portal, using it more to his advantage, and is not completely against the transfer portal now. So anybody out there who prior to these comments, or really what we've seen the last year or so, who was no longer sold on Bob Huggins as the head coach of West Virginia, and despite him being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame with 900-plus wins and having led the Mountaineers to the only Final Four appearance they've had since Jerry West did it over a century ago, there have been many members of Mountaineer Nation that kind of are done with Bob Huggins. And it's not just 
that success, obviously that was the beginning of the tenure, there has been a consistent run of usually NCAA tournament, usually being contender. He's had Sweet 16s. He's had solid play. When Deuce McBride was there, certainly with Javon Carter being there, it's not all just that beginning couple years in that 2010 team. There has been consistent success. Certainly going into the Big 12, you're looking at Texas and Kansas as teams with higher win percentages than West Virginia in that conference, certainly when Bob Huggins has been at WVU. So there has been success. Not so much maybe last year, even a little bit prior to that. I get it. But there have been some positive moments. And also a coach who's not afraid to play anybody, willing to play Gonzaga when they didn't have an opponent. And, hey, West Virginia needed somebody to play. And, hey. Let's have it be Gonzaga. Not many coaches in the country would, would would jump into that game. And it's not a death nail like, say, it would be in college football. So you got to like that from a head coach who's also able to win a lot of those. But just the interesting aspect of him kind of admitting, hey, didn't think I was going to like the portal. It certainly burned him a little bit when you're looking at Oscar leaving the program, Oscar Shibway, and and what happened there with him going to Kentucky and basically being a dominant force. And yeah, Kentucky a little bit underachieved, but him as an individual player vying for player of the year in the sport most of the season, really showing what he could have been at West Virginia. And that a situation that then he dragged Huggins through the mud and Huggins throws subtle jabs. And despite liking Calipari, it's kind of odd that he got there. And a lot of people believe a conspiracy there and just a lot of craziness there. What's up, Paul? Definitely uh, happy to have you aboard here. We're waiting for anybody else to jump in. Any thoughts you got, Paul, right now on, on whether it be Mountaineer football or basketball? Feel free to chat along. Feel free to jump in there. Or certainly over there at my Twitter, at MikeOsti11. But just, again, Bob Huggins kind of admitting that, hey, the portal didn't love it initially. Now I'm liking it. I don't know if that was some influence of West Virginia as an institution saying, Hey, Bob, we got to adapt to this. We got to do this. We can't totally shy away from this. Or also the realization, and Neil Brown has said this too, that yes, you're going to lose players to the portal. Okay. Neil Brown has dealt with this Mesador, et cetera, but you also are able to quickly rebuild a team and gain players from the portal, JT Daniels, etc. So you have a situation in the portal that, yeah, it can be annoying, it can definitely be annoying for coaches in some respect. And I, I've talked ad nauseum that, yeah, it's a little bit more fair now. Certainly players before were, I guess, getting screwed over financially, to say the least there. Certainly you can ask members of the Fab Five and many star players over the years about this. They were generating revenue to, for a university and not seeing any of it themselves, at least not legally. But then, of course, now with the NIL deals, you get that. So you name, image, and likeness. I, I see that being fair. That fairs it up now, for sure. If you're generating it, you go ahead and get the cash. But when you go to the portal situation, and yeah, coaches are able to leave kids at any time, and that is unfortunate. But there got to be a little bit of a tight bar here because you have a situation now where it's run amok that if a coach sneezes in the wrong direction, that player is dipping out. So I'm all about a window. Certainly for football, it makes sense of having a window right after bowl season, closing it up again and then doing it again, maybe right before camp, maybe after camp again, because obviously if you lose a starting job, it's legitimate that you may want to leave. That's fine. But doing the thing where just any moment's notice, you can bounce players leaving and choosing to enter portals in the middle of seasons, not going to work uh, in different sports. That's just a problem. So tightening it up a bit makes sense. But Huggins realizing, hey, there can be a benefit here despite having a player bounce. Um, yeah, thanks, Paul. Feel free to, to share this with, with anybody. And I don't know how long I'm going to do this. So 
Uh, feel free to have anybody jump in here. If this chat doesn't work out, then it'll basically be an episode of Mic Drop with a lot of my my hot takes that certainly uh, I enjoy, if nobody else does. But yeah, I wanted to get one of these, certainly with a weekend in front of us and, and just had some time here. A lot of coverage has been behind me. A lot of busyness is behind, behind me with the news. Obviously, games ahead here, especially with basketball season really revving up. So I wanted to you know offer one of these again. It's been a couple of weeks and that, that last one did go really, really well. Sometimes it takes a while to get going as well. I do see a lot more of you watching this, not all chatting along. But, Paul, since I do see you here, do you think Bob is bullish on this year's team? Well, I don't think he's lying. I don't think he would just sell a bill of goods. I mean, Bob Huggins basically said that he's excited about this year's team. So, yeah, I think he is happy about this year's team. I think there is some excitement from Bob Huggins about this year's team. Maybe he's in a good mood a little bit. He finally got inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's you know, able to be around his contemporaries and get a lot of respect for his legacy and career. So maybe he's not dealing with the angst. Uh, of getting snubbed for a couple years or, or whatever the case may have been. He's maybe in a good mood. So maybe that's rubbing off. Maybe these players are catching him at a good time, but I, he doesn't say this every year. So I don't think Bob Huggins would just go out there and, and you know, just say whatever and just make something up to kind of get his team excited or pump him up. He does usually have the attitude that if you're not already excited by being a Mountaineer and playing high level college basketball in a major conference, under a hall of famer then what are you doing he shouldn't have to excite you so he's talked about that in recent years too that hey you know we're going to shake things up a little here maybe if you're not a fit for this maybe you know you wouldn't be here that much longer so i think he really is big on that situation i think this team will be better though but not a lot of people do and when you say better what does that really mean because the the national predictions are pretty rough for west virginia and where they're going to finish in the big 12 doesn't look like many think they're sniffing an NCAA tournament once again. So maybe he's trying to pump up his team. Maybe he's trying to motivate them. Maybe a lot of this is nobody believes in you. A lot more local members of media are predicting a little bit more success than, of course, nationally, which makes sense. That happens across the board since obviously the local media, even myself, we're, we're going to have more you know, awareness of what's going on with the program than say somebody who, who's just writing nationally. But regardless, they're not thought of that much, uh, certainly. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, Kansas is going to be a top dog to, to you know, run rough shot over the conference yet again, probably. But Bob Huggins is pumped up. So we'll see what that means. Anything on football? Again, Mike Osti here at Mike Osti 11. You see the Twitter handle there below me. This is a Mountaineer live chat here. Of course, for WV Sports Now and our Sports Now family of networks, football, basketball, whatever you want, basketball is on the horizon. It is fast approaching, of course, knee deep in football season. A lot of football coverage still there on the outlet if you do go to the website, but there are now some basketball stories that are matriculating, of course, with basketball season coming up, and that's men's or women's if you want to bring that up too. Women's obviously starting a new era with Coach Don P. I'm not going to do the pronunciation right now. Um, but and football team obviously has a lot, you know, a lot of important games ahead here. And I don't even mean just the one immediately coming up. They're trying to snap the losing streak to Texas Tech. But three and three team, you can give me glass half full of the fact that the offense has been one of the better offenses in the country. I actually wrote a story that's not yet up there, but you could argue top 10 in the country. Certainly some analytic numbers say that. So maybe they're even underrated nationally. That's how good the offense has been. 51% of their drives go 50 yards or more. How about that? And that's whether points are on the board or not. So, yeah, 
the offense is having a great season way better than it's been in, in the past few years, whether there's more yards or not, there's more points on the board now and there's more effective drives on a regular basis, very diversified and balanced offense attack with JT Daniels. And also of course, what's going on with Tony Mathis and CJ Donaldson, who, know kind of has been out of nowhere and kind of emerged at the scene and now appears a little bit more healthy out of concussion protocol but the defense has let this team down i mean glass half full can be that okay the defense really collapsed and really really sucked in two and three losses they get a pass rush to pit so you can't blame them there but obviously horrible against kansas in an overtime game at night obviously horrible and certainly in the first half the game was over then even if not 40 points were scored it was a really bad day for the defense overall against the Longhorns in Austin. So if the defense was a little passable and a little better in those two games, would they have won those two games? The offense wasn't good against Texas. That was the only game this year the offense hasn't been great in. Certainly good enough against Kansas, though. It really was the defense that let them down there. And they have won three out of four, the Neil Brown likes to say. That's, that's again, praying with a positive brush there. But negatively speaking, it's three and three. You have the one conference win. You are what you are. You can't really change that. You have tough games ahead. Again, this is year four for Neil Brown. This is not year one. He likely is going to be back regardless, though, because of the buyout. So it doesn't matter what we all think. But can they play well enough down the stretch to allow you to trust the client, to be happier, to, to, to realize what's coming up in front of this team? It's a tough schedule this year, but you can't just say all the time, schedule's tough, so, hey, we're going to lose a lot. You know, that doesn't work. And yeah, you have some fun games with some regional rivals back on the schedule with Pitt staying there, Penn State coming, Virginia Tech dropping off. But you had those couple years in the Black Diamond Trophy. But it's not like you're getting, you know, major victories out of those games, but you're certainly vulnerable to lose sometimes. And you're bumping a team and you're adding teams like Alabama, obviously. I mean, that that's really, really going to be rough whenever they do play that. And I get the Shane Lyons connection, but Lord... They're not going to win that game. I don't really want to go into that because I know that that caught wildfire on the site and Twitter whenever that story went up. But, man, I mean, the schedule's not going to get any easier for West Virginia in years to come either. And it is a tougher schedule than most similar-sized programs in major conferences. I mean, Maryland's not doing this out of conference. Even Penn State's not doing this out of conference. Michigan's not doing this out of conference. And that that's an elite program. Not everyone's doing this out of conference. West Virginia is, and they're usually taking L's when they do it. So taking an L to an elite program that's better than you, is that really a benefit or do you need to get some more wins? Cause you already have ranked teams in conference and you still kind of will, even with Texas and Oklahoma eventually leaving the conference when some others come aboard meteorite deals, maybe there's more comfortability of the big 12 now than everybody wanting out of it and go on the ACC. than it would even have been six months ago. I know I wanted this team to get the hell out of there at that point. Didn't, think it was viable but that was the benefit of for the program that would have been better if they could have got the acc and i think they're more viable now than they would have been 10 years ago but maybe the big 12 is okay right now likely where this program is going to be regardless let me go back to the chat there um okay do you think th and this is from somebody else besides paul so i appreciate now we got the chat rolling a little bit here tom do you think the four turnovers from the Baylor game are repeatable going forward, or did we just luck out and the previous five games are more indicative of the next five? I mean, that's exactly what we got to figure out, honestly. That's exactly what the defensive coaches, it's exactly what Jordan Leslie is trying to make uh, you know, happen again. That is the recipe. And these games ahead, certainly the one coming up here, it is all about 
the same recipe because I think Neil Brown and Jordan Leslie have realized this defense is not going to be a world beater. And yeah, it's the Big 12. It's not like the Big 12 years ago where you didn't care about defense, but it's still the Big 12. You're going to have to score points. But this defense isn't what it was last year, the year before. This is the worst defense under Neil Brown, even though the team probably has its best offense. It's unfortunate that it's like that. They can't kind of get it together simultaneously. The defense has let down the offense this season. Prior to the Baylor game and the goal all week going into the Baylor game, the coaches talked about this. They were upfront about this was exactly what you're saying, Tom, to force turnovers, to create turnovers. It eventually led to points off turnovers. You add the block in there off the kick and that defense, those defensive players, Dante Stills really won that game almost by themselves. Yeah, the offense had to do what they had to do or it wouldn't have been enough. And yeah, Casey Legg had a big kick there at the end. It's cool for him. He's a nice kid. But that defense won that game for West Virginia. And outside of the the spells interception late in Blacksburg, which that game was already decided. It's really hard. I see some of my colleagues keep calling that a game. And I have to a game ceiling interception. I mean, they would have won anyway. It, it, it sealed. It literally did seal it up. It didn't win the game. It's not a game winner, but it, it, yeah, okay, it sealed it up. But if you look at the end of the Kansas game, and JT Daniels has been great this year, by the way. I think a lot of as, as an intelligent mind, as a future pro player, as a coach, if that doesn't work out, gonna gonna be something in football for sure. But the end of the Kansas game, the end of the backyard brawl, their interceptions, they lead to the losses. They seal up the losses, if nothing else. So the tone of margin wasn't good for West Virginia going into Baylor. And that totally flipped the script, obviously, in that Baylor game. I think they're going to be better turnover-wise. They're focusing in on it more. They're kind of more relaxed. They're just playing with their hair on fire for a cliche and finding the ball. And I think Dante Stills is really playing better. I think he feels some pressure. Obviously, he's a game wrecker. But his first few games, the numbers weren't what they should be for somebody who's looking to get drafted, even though he's wrecking games. And sometimes you can't always take what he does out of the stats. I get that. But you don't want to see a dip in, in stats when you're the best player on a defense and that defense is getting worse as well. And the defense overall stats are getting worse and yours are, and that doesn't look good. So he, he's trying, I put something up there on what Darius is doing to try to help him out, which is just really nice of Darius because obviously the brothers and you're going to help out your bro, but his NFL career right now is in doubt and it may never get going. So Dante may be the one in that family that has a career in the NFL and it might be partly because of Darius. So that's a, that's a great read over there again, WB sports now. Off of what they said, it's not even my opinion. It's a lot of what they said. So it's kind of learning what their relationship is like by reading that article. But yeah, I think I think this defense is going to be better. I don't think they're going to have the Baylor game every week, if that's what you're asking. I, I cannot see a scenario where every week, especially with a tougher schedule coming up, that it's going to be you know two, three turnovers every game, five, seven, ten points off turnovers every game. And again, I'm factoring in conversions there off the kick. No, I, I I cannot see that. <laughs> okay, I can see the defense every now and then flipping it. And like you have an opponent coming up with Texas Tech there, and even other opponents rest on this schedule, the rest of the schedule, but certainly this one, a pass-happy team. 50 pass attempts a game. That means, yeah, they can churn some yards and points are going to be on the board. So you got to be relative to what you expect out of the defense because Jordan Leslie has said this, and this caught some fire too, he doesn't look at yards or points that evaluate his D. He's looking at turnovers. He's looking at what they do in each individual play and kind of in comparison to what happens throughout the game and what he expects off the team being banged up. So people were mad about that because, yeah, the yards are still being allowed, even though they finally forced some turnovers, some takeaways. 
But I don't think it'll be the same clip as the Baylor game, but you'll have an opportunity against Texas Tech because they pass the ball all over the field all the time. And yeah, that means points and yards, but it also could mean more opportunities for interceptions. Get Charles Woods back. He's in a limited role, but that's still adding more to the secondary. The secondary is still going to be rough. It's still be the weakness of this team, I would certainly expect. But Dante still is playing better now. This defense feeling themselves. They're putting more of an emphasis on the turnovers. You see your Cox really all over the field. I would definitely expect this defense to be better and to create more turnovers. And if being better means just creating more turnovers, but not actually being better in terms of yards allowed, that would be fine with Jordan Leslie, apparently. Whether you like that or not remains to be seen. But yeah, he's not using points and yards. He's using what happened against Baylor. It seems like Neil Brown and Jordan Leslie would be thrilled if what happens against Baylor happens every week. And that might mean you guys are having heart attacks in games because that might mean having to win a shootout pretty much every week. But they maybe have realized that is the team, that, that if they're going to win and they do have a top 10 offense in football, in college football, that you look analytically is really, really good and always moves the ball. And this point's there. And you have a veteran who's even keel. You have multiple running backs now with CJ getting healthy. That, okay, we're just going to be a shootout team. Maybe they're going to do what Texas Tech did 10 years ago. It's like Mike Mike Leach team with more of a balanced offense, not exactly the air raid, because I know Graham Hill doesn't like that label. But that might be what they finally have realized, that that's just who they are, and that's just what they're going to do. And They're not going to be able to hold a great team to 10 or 13 points like they maybe could even have done a year ago. They're going to have to do it off turnovers. They weren't getting them earlier in the year. Some of that's luck. They got some luck against Baylor. I expect better from the defense. I still think a lot of yards are going to be allowed, though, and fans are going to be annoyed. But the turnovers maybe will help them. Um, how much of a pitch count is Charles Woods on? Well, I'm not going to lie and say I have an, I know an exact amount of plays or minutes or anything like that that he's on. I, limited role is what's been said. So I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. I would in no way expect this man to immediately get in there and dominate and take over a game and be what he was right away. I'll be honest. I'm surprised we're seeing him with enough games left in the season that there could be several that he'll play and it actually could have an impact. And I hope this isn't a man who's hurting his personal career because he's a vet, had his sights on beyond college football for this freaking season in which this team is three and three. I mean, where is this season going? It's not like they're going to win the big 12 here. It's not like you're looking at new year's six. You're certainly not looking at the playoff. You're looking to get in a respectable bowl game and certainly get into a bowl game. They haven't secured that by any means. You need three more wins to get even in one. So rushing somebody back, I, I would not have done. And I don't, I'm not saying they, they did. I'm not saying they're rushing him back, but we kept hearing the injury was serious. He had surgery. Okay. It's not been literally said by Neil Brown, but he had surgery. So anybody having surgery of any kind, you're going to need some time. It's not been that long since the surgery. What was that? Two weeks ago? Two, three weeks ago at the most? So he had surgery. He hasn't played really this year since early in the back air brawl against Pitt. Obviously, you need an ankle to be strong 
in the secondary, especially if you're a defense that's playing with your hair on fire, trying to get turnovers. It might be the attitude of this defense now in order to win the rest of the season might make it harder on Charles Woods. So it'll be interesting if he can be part of this because, yeah, he's been a guy that forced turnovers in the past and he's been that leader in that regard for the defense in the secondary. But can they do? Can he do the Baylor game every week, recovering from an injury after a surgery? I don't know. So I, I, he's going to be limited, 100%. I, I, I would not expect that, especially if it's like that, where it's so many possessions and so many offensive possessions for the opponent. This is a conference that's rough for a defender to come back in off a of surgery in the middle of a season. It's a lot of plays. So I wouldn't be shocked if, I don't know, you see him on 10 Something like that. I mean, if you're if you if you if a team's trying to put up, you know, double that in possessions, I just I, it depends. I mean, I, again, I, I I'm gonna at least look at five possessions probably for these teams per quarter at minimum. So is he playing half for a game? Is he even doing that? I don't know. I I I, I would have thought he was more than this game away, and I guess it could change a game time. But the expectation is he'll be there in a limited role. I would have thought it was going to take a little bit longer. But Neil Brown did say a week or so ago that it might have been two weeks away. It's probably two weeks away. So that's where we are. Uh, so, And he was really shy to offer much analysis on Charles Woods right after the injury. And that might have been gamesmanship with opponents. But he's, they never have forthcomingly said surgery out this time until recently with a timetable. And we just all know there was a surgery. But it's never been literally said. It's not even been literally asked. I guess I'll, I'll take a shot at ourselves in media. We No one's actually said, hey, was there a surgery? But yeah, <laughs> there was one. Uh, again here at WV Sports Now, go over to our site for all of our coverage there, football, basketball, anything else. There's a lot more going on with Mountaineer Athletics as well. At WV Sports Now on Twitter, at WV Sports Now on Facebook. And boy, does that Facebook page churn. I kind of love the comments there. They sometimes get wild but they certainly help us out so a lot of action over there on the facebook page if you want to join in the madness that is the comments on the facebook page xavier worthy doesn't do what he did if woods is playing yeah i thought we would hold off and get his games under four to possibly red shirt I, are we talking about i'm not sure where that connects to but in terms of xavier worthy i'll go there yeah that's probably true and I actually did an article on that as well. There's actually what would the season be like? Kind of if Charles Wood was healthy all year, kind of what it would have been like and going through each game and the Texas game is that one game. There's two games really, and it's two of the three losses. Kansas and Texas. If you had Charles Woods at his best, healthy, at his best healthy. So it's a hypothetical. I'm not talking about 60% of Charles Woods. If you had him at his best healthy, then I don't think Xavier Worthy takes over a first half with three touchdowns, including throwing a ball. No. Yeah, I do think he's contained. I do think they have to worry about Charles Woods a lot more. I do think they scheme it differently. I think he would take him out. Not to say he wouldn't be able to play well. I don't think Charles Woods, it's, we're not talking about Deion Sanders here. Charles Woods is a great player, but I don't think Xavier Worthy would all of a sudden done nothing. But, yeah, he put up 21 points. He won by himself. West Virginia only scored 20. So I don't I don't think Xavier Worthy would have had a type of game like what you're saying, Paul, in which he basically by himself won the game in the first half <laughs> with his immense athleticism. And he's really, really good. But have you seen any other game where he's taken over that much? I mean, God, 
he's a Blitnikoff winner off of that game. So it's not like there's any other examples of him by himself single-handedly dominating and winning a half, let alone a game. But he did do it against West Virginia. So you tip your cap. I don't think that would have happened with, with Charles Woods there. I also think the Kansas game might have been a little different. And, yeah, Jalen Daniels, who's now hurt but was healthy there, obviously RPOs were something West Virginia could not handle. I'm not saying necessarily Charles Woods would have been the guy to stop the RPOs. But – it would have made it more of a one-dimensional Kansas offense. I think Kansas would have been forced to do a lot more of the running of Jalen Daniels with those RPOs, make it a lot look a lot more like a spread, like the old Pat White type of offense, where he's having to scramble out and making that quick RPO decision, where a lot more of the time it would have been to run because he might have been a little bit weary of what's going on over there with Charles Woods. And he didn't throw over 300-plus yards. He threw for 200-some. But if you minimize that offensive production through the air from him, as he still usually gives you a lot on the ground, maybe the 90 yards on the ground or 85 would have been to come 120, 130, and you have less through the air. Maybe it would have been similar yards production. I think it would have been different, though. But I do think those two games, Charles Woods would have changed the dynamic of those games. I'll say that. I don't know if the West Virginia might have still lost them both. I mean, obviously, the Texas game, they just weren't in it at all, even offensively. That was their bad day offensively. So if the offense played like that, they probably would have still lost. I don't know if it would have been like it was. I don't think maybe Worthy wouldn't have done it on his own. And then you go to the Kansas game. Kansas could have kept scoring if they would have played nine overtimes. I mean, their offense was clicking. So I don't think that would have been the case if you had Charles Woods there. Before the season, I said it. It's true. Others said it. It's true. We're seeing it. Three players, West Virginia could not afford to lose entering this season, 2022, if they really wanted to make it a special year or do what some people were saying of eight-plus wins, which I didn't buy, but if they were going to do that, they could not afford to lose Dante Stills for a significant period of time, JT Daniels for a significant period of time, and then the other one was Charles Woods. They've lost Charles Woods basically the whole season outside of the beginning of the backyard brawl. We'll see what he does down the, the rest of the season, down the stretch here, but he's not going to be 100%. He's coming in a limited role. I am concerned about his future and if he really should even be out there. Dante Stills has been playing. JT Daniels has been playing. They're both impacting games. They're having solid years. JT Daniels is having a great year, and Dante Stills is really picking it up now to cap off his career. So they're doing what they got to do. They're doing their part. They're wrecking games. You can point to a game that Dante Stills basically has won for West Virginia now in Baylor that didn't exist prior by himself. So Charles Wood doesn't have that, and he doesn't have that because he's been hurt. But he's a big hit, big hit. And, yeah, I, I would go over WB Sports now. I did it. I kind of broke it down game by game, but those are the two games. And even if you flip one of them, Kansas or Texas, Texas is a ranked team now. Kansas is no longer because Jalen Daniels has been hurt. But if, say, you, you beat Kansas now, even if it's close, and now your losses are just a pit who no longer is ranked, but – you know, they have two losses, one of them being to Georgia Tech, which is really, really bad, and they haven't been good this year. But the other being to Tennessee, which is fighting for the playoff now. So that's not that bad for you. It was opening season. It was the backyard brawl. You're on the road. You're on the road. West Virginia also covered that spread. And after that game, even Pitt people were saying that West Virginia looked good, better than they thought, and they were getting a lot of praise. So if you have that be a loss, and then you have Texas be a loss, who's a ranked team, and they you know lost to Bama by one point, despite also losing Texas Tech here, look a lot better than adding the Kansas loss in there. And yeah, Kansas started 5-0, and and I get their QBs hurt now, but they didn't play anybody when they won those five games, with the exception of West Virginia, which 
West Virginia is not ranked. So what is that saying? So that it changes the dynamic of how the season feels a little bit too. Cause you can give me glass half full taking give me glass half empty take, but they're three and three as we're speaking. Yeah. Yep. He did the same move last week against Iowa state in the goal line that he destroyed. Yeah. Oh, Charles Woods playing under four. Yeah. I, I, again. Oh, that was Charles Woods. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I guess, Assuming he plays the rest of the season, then yeah, that would that would burn the eligibility that you're referring to there. I guess I wasn't even thinking of that, to be honest with you. I'm just surprised that a guy has a surgery. It's serious. Everyone says it's serious. They're tight-lipped on it. The season's not going that well, and yet he's back. So... It's not so much for your program, it's for the kid. I mean, I this isn't a year to give it all to, okay? I mean, they could salvage this and have a good season. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to end up, you know, with the three wins and that'll be it. And it looks like they're going to be a little better than one of the worst seasons in program history, which was talked about a few weeks ago. But it's not a year where you're, you know, you're playing for the playoff here. This isn't a year where you're playing for putting a ring on your finger outside of, you know, the guaranteed rate bowl if you get back in there and can try to win that. So what are you doing? Is this a year to rush back? But he wants to rush back. He wants to fight. He, he wants to fight to play. He wanted to fight to play. That was a new round kept on saying. Anything else there on Mountaineer football or switching back to Mountaineer basketball? Again, we talked at the open here on Bob Huggins' excitement for this team, whether that's legit, whether that's coach speak. He doesn't really do that. Uh, and what that means, if you have higher expectations on this team, do you think this b-ball team is going to be better this year? They can't be worse. Do you think they're going to be as bad as many national predictions say they're going to be? And is there a reason why Bob Huggins is so freaking excited about a team that almost no one else nationally is? So is he trying to say that he sees something that they don't? Is he just trying to pump up his team? Is he legitimately excited and really thinks this team can do something. So you think this is a 25-win team? That obviously would be a big, a big, big turnaround. And, you know, they're what are they, where they're put right now nationally in the Big 12, ninth, et cetera, it's just not – that wouldn't be near there. But, yeah, based on what Bob Huggins is saying and based on – I don't know about 25 wins here. But based on what Bob Huggins is saying, they're certainly being disrespectful and underrated nationally. I, I think this team – 18 wins uh, you want to see 18 19 wins you want to see i mean uh, certainly 17 i mean uh, i don't think you want to have a situation where this you know you're looking at anything lower than that but i don't know but i don't know if he's selling seats i i, I don't think bob hogan's you know he's not he's gonna make his money regardless i don't know if bob hogan gives a damn if they he wants people to go and obviously he'll be upset if nobody goes especially if his team's winning but I don't think Bob Huggins is going to be doing the thing where the program says you got to lie and sell seats and he'll go capitulate to that. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't see that. <laughs> um, I just don't see that. Uh, they got to get over 500 though. Obviously 16 and 17 last year, a 304 win percentage, four and 14 in the conference. None of that can be going on again. I don't see 25 wins here. But there got to be a marriage in the middle there. Again, if this team can win 20 games, that would be nice. Uh, I mean, th th just cannot be what it was last year. Where, again, they're basically out of it in January. 
there were really no big moments or big games to write home about in terms of on the positive end that you're thrilled about. You're losing to most of the ranked teams you played. You did beat Pitt, but Pitt was just a horrendous team last year. So what does that mean? You got trounced to Kansas, to Texas, to Baylor, these conference teams, Texas Tech, even Oklahoma. And Kansas, Baylor, again, didn't mention at the top, Baylor again, because some people are saying Baylor come another national championship kind of under the radar. Baylor looks really, really good again. Um, but West Virginia has some games in front of them that are going to excite fans as well here. So you have, obviously, Bowling Green, Mount St. Mary, nothing to really you know brag about. But you in the back here, bro, early on. You know, Pitt has a lot of offseason problem with the Or Johnson and company, and that's a new-look team, though. I actually called the high school games of Nellie Cummings, who's one of the, their, their new transfer players that played in the NCAA tournament at Colgate. So it'll be interesting. It won't be easy for West Virginia at all. It is a road game. But Pitt's not good. They're not going to make a tournament or anything, but they're an improved team. They should be better than they were. So that's interesting. Morehead State, Penn, just going on the schedule right now. Um, Purdue, you got, you got into a tournament situation there. Xavier, schedule's not murderer's row early on in the season here before conference play. This is not murderer's row. By any means, uh, they, they certainly can get some wins here. You go into conference play, obviously, and that's going to put in, uh, you know, then you, you got several of these in a row, though. So it, you got Oklahoma State, Kansas, Baylor in a row, Oklahoma then. So that, that's four in a row. I mean, you don't want to lose all four of those in a row, but where's the win? Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, obviously, the easier games out of those four, they're on the bookends. But uh, you'd like to steal one, get an upset here. Both Kansas and Baylor are at home. That's a positive. The two easier games in that four-game streak are on the road in Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, but Baylor and Kansas, those first matchups, are at home. Texas at home, then Texas Tech. So the three best teams in the conference, you have that first meeting at home. That's nice. Auburn, TCU, again, Iowa State, then you go to Texas, you go to Baylor. You don't have to do it back-to-back like before with Kansas and Baylor back-to-back earlier in the year. Those games at home, it's not going to be easy. But then when you play them again, you have them on the road, but there's a split in there. You have Baylor at Waco. Then you have Texas Tech at home, Oklahoma State at home. So you go to the Baylor game, it's going to be really, really hard. But then you go back home for some easier competition in the conference. And then you go to Lawrence, Kansas, which won't be easy again. It's freaking Kansas. But the matchup of having them earlier in the season at home when you do have to play them back-to-back, and if you're going to get a win on against them, you figure it to be at home, it might make you confident. It might make you feel good. You get it early in the season. You start off playing well. Your record's good early on. You don't go to January where you're out of it. You're in January where you're feeling okay about yourself. Maybe there's less drama as the season progresses. The fans are still interested and into it. And then you get into these tougher matchups on the road, but at least there's a split there. They're not back-to-back. So that's a nice thing of the schedule there. And then, of course, that rounds it out. And those games on the road against those elite competition in the Big 12 are way at the end of the season. So they do play them at home first, which is nice for West Virginia for sure. Yeah, see you, Paul. Happy to have you aboard here. Uh, happy to jump on with you before on your program. So happy to do that again here and again. WB Sports Now at WB Sports Now. I know you're already following, but anybody else who's listening, tuning in, I do see a lot of you are watching. So maybe you just like mic drops. Maybe you just like me. I have guests on a lot of the time as well. But maybe you just want me. You can get me if you want. Um, but feel free to also chat along here. We have had some other chatters. I do see a lot of, you know, Let's Go Mountaineers and that type of action there. So that's fine, too. We'll see how much longer I will keep this up. But again, 
football, basketball. That's the, the sweet spot right now. If you do want to chat along here in the final minutes of this basketball season coming up and it's better to have no one predicting anything nationally and go under the radar. It'll hurt you in terms of early season rankings, but it doesn't matter as much as college football and where you're ranked. If you keep on winning and you get those big wins, you can flip yourself way into those rankings. If you do it on your resume and Bob Huggins is excited about this team. Again, I don't think he would just lie and not trying to sell any seats. He doesn't care. He he's, he's pumped. (laughs) what that means and yes he's been pumped before and hasn't worked out or remain to be seen this west virginia football team though has a lot of pressure on them more pressure than the basketball team i would say who do you think has more pressure i mean obviously bob huggins is a basketball hall of famer he's not going anywhere they're not going to fire him and they have to retool when it's a little different team but they were so bad last year so there is pressure to not be that bad again but still obviously more pressure on neil brown on the football program it is year four it's been one bowl bowl victory in his tenure now these are mediocre bowl games though the guaranteed rate bowls barely anything anyone wants to brag about and you lose it i get they were banged up but come on you go from a climb to dipping back you got a mulligan your first year then you have the liberty bowl win you're feeling good about yourself you dip back you dip back again you think you're stepping up and you're only in the guaranteed rate bowl and last year was just such a miserable season it just yeah i mean they finished six and seven but it felt like they won two or three games just it's hard to get into it. This year is at least exciting. I mean, this has been a roller coaster ride. You feel like, though, they let down in some games. You feel like, though, they lost some games they shouldn't have won or they shouldn't have lost. You feel like, though, some of the wins are overrated. I mean, how many big wins did Neil Brown have? I mean, Virginia Tech last year when they were 15th, they then lost five out of the last six. And West Virginia wasn't that good after the game when they almost lost that game. They almost blew that game. And Virginia Tech just wasn't good last year. Virginia Tech not good again this year. Virginia Tech's been continuously overrated. So is that a big win? You have the Black Diamond Trophy, but that's not a good Virginia Tech team that you're beating. You beat Kansas State years ago when they were ranked, but every year since then, Kansas State has some upset wins. They play well against Oklahoma. They're an average team. They're not horrendous. They're not great. It's not like they're getting in there in the top 10 or anything like that. And then, okay, you've been worse than them pretty much. You can't beat Texas Tech. We'll see what happens here. You, you, you get the win over Baylor, but Baylor, maybe some felt was overrated coming in the game as well. They did come off a loss, even though Oklahoma State was a top 10 team at the time. This Big 12 does really cannibalize itself. A lot of teams can beat anybody really in the conference. A lot of parity there. No one's really awful, especially now with Kansas playing well. But in terms of your victories and your record at West Virginia, Neil Brown, it's looking like you know, a lot of lower level opponents that you beat and that includes FCS. So I think someone threw it up and this might be a couple weeks old now, but 14, maybe the number now is 15 with Baylor of legit wins, basically. Uh, and that, that means you're taking away FCS and you're taking away Kansas prior to this year is what people where that was. So Kansas is the worst power five of the last 10 years. And then FCS. So Townsend, LIU, yeah, you trounce those teams, but they don't really count here. That's why one of these three wins this year is against Towson. Like, what are you bragging about there? Your three wins this year are against Towson, who's an FCS team that you dominated, but you should. No kudos there for doing it. Virginia Tech, who's not good. They already lost to Old Dominion. They've lost since. They're not ranked. They're not getting near ranked. If I had to rank them, they're 50th, 60th, or something like that. They're not, they're not good. They don't even give you an exciting brand of football anymore. They're just not anything to brag about. And yeah, that's one of the wins. And then, of course, it'd be Baylor, who was ranked, no longer ranked prior to playing you, but that's the best win of the season, obviously. And it was a must win. 
or imagine being two and four without that win, no conference wins still, a tough schedule ahead, it would get really, really ugly and the vibes would be bad. So they're better now. We're not throwing up any articles about who would you, you know, hypothetically replace Neil Brown with, but you still need more bigger wins. You still need to try to do something this year. And everyone beating about Oklahoma this year, they're down for the first time in two decades. Doesn't mean West Virginia's guaranteed the win. So we'll see what the Mountaineers do against the Sooners as well. But TCU, they've played really well this year. You know, how does that make you feel West Virginia can beat them? <laughs> like, you know, they're better than they were. They're still better than you. They've been better than you. Oklahoma State, yeah, they finally lost and they got exposed a little bit. And TCU now might be the class of the conference, not Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State's still, still better than you. You're West Virginia. Like, you three and three. You got to win over Towson. So we'll see. I want this team to win every freaking game, by the way. For anyone out there who's saying I'm trying to be negative. I'm just working with what's in front of me. I wish they went all. But that's just not reality. So we will see. The vibe's much better now after the Baylor win, but they can easily, easily get dashed all over again if it goes backwards to where it was after that Texas game. People maybe feeling good a couple wins in a row. But as I said, Townsend, Virginia Tech. So the Texas game exposed them. We will see. I think I'm going to probably close up shop now on this live chat. Not as much action as last time I did this, but I will try to do this again. Maybe not right in front of a weekend here. It's just when I finally had some time, obviously, here. I'm on a Friday that I, I will admit. But happy I did get a few chatters along. Happy to see some other action. See some of you watching, even if you don't chat along here. And again, at WV Sports Now, WV Sports Now for the website there, WVSportsNow.com. You can find all of our coverage throughout the week, not just the games. And it's certainly, you know, feature stories, analysis, opinions, news, reporting, video, all of it's there. Also, basketball season is coming up. So all of that coming up ahead. Ethan Bach is our beat writer for the basketball team. Definitely follow him as well. He's a good guy. And then, of course, we have all the reaction of the rest of Mountaineer Athletics there and recruiting. So once the season's over, but even now, recruiting is the bread and butter. And I think recruiting is a separator, even certainly in the Pittsburgh market, but really even in the West Virginia market, covering any place that covers West Virginia, not really anyone's covering recruiting as well. There are outlets that cover maybe high school football, but they don't cover recruiting. We are covering recruiting, and we cover recruiting really diligently and freaking well at WV Sports Now. So that's a major bump of us, in my humble opinion, that we're doing so much in terms of covering recruiting and a benefit for Neil Brown, which he will use this as a stitch. You have the buyout, regardless of how the season finishes. That's really, really high. That's going to bring him back. But you do have really solid recruiting classes coming up. Rodney Gallagher, Gene White, look at the monster game he had recently, etc. You got solid recruiting classes coming up. So that's a positive. Even when this program hasn't been winning, he's able to bring those players in. But we do a lot of recruiting action, of course, even our notebooks, but even featured stories on those players, interviews on those players, and just what's going on in terms of recruiting that a lot of outlets do not even put out there or bother with. We definitely do at WV Sports Now. So again, thanks to everybody who chatted along and joined me here for this Mountaineer Live chat edition here. Mike Drew. On a Friday, I'm going to let you now enjoy your weekend, regardless of what the Mountaineers do. Hopefully, you can enjoy your weekend. I'm going to try to do that myself. And again, find me at MikeOsti11. There it is. Always reverse camera here to what you're going to see. So probably will look the reverse when you actually do see where my finger was pointing. But nonetheless, at MikeOsti11 on Twitter, you can 
certainly hit me up there. I don't talk to you there if you're not available or can't do one of these because you're working or whatever. But I thought this also works here because you can always type along even on your phone. Uh, <laughs> someone's doing a video. So we'll see if we get more action next time I do one of these live chats. But I'll definitely try to plan on having these more often and maybe also venture into some Twitter space action yet again. So we'll see. Again, Mike Osti here. And that'll be it for this edition of Mountaineer Live Chat. This Mountaineer Live Chat edition of Mike Drop on WE Sports Now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.